Blog Talk Radio. Pretty much had a career day, and he pretty much had a career day. 
But we'll talk about that game later because I'm already getting myself uh, super excited and stoked about that. But um, <laughs> we gotta uh, we gotta talk about what happened this past Monday at the Wells Fargo Center, which you was there, Harrison. Um, it was the Philadelphia Soul. They go down to defeat second time this season uh, to the Washington Baylor, uh, 48-41. Um, the Soul kind of kept it close throughout. Had times where they coulda and shoulda broken the game open but they just couldn't they just couldn't get the job done there was a lot of miscues uh three fumbles uh three fumbles in this game two were lost for the soul and it, it and it just was just it was almost this game against the Baylor with a microcosm of the season despite uh despite you know Dan Rodabaugh picking up putting up uh good putting up good numbers in this game um 296 passing yards, five touchdowns, and an interception. Uh, Jordan Williams had a solid game, six receptions for 82 yards, and Darius Prince, five receptions for 100 yards, two TDs, but it just wasn't enough on the other side with Arvell Nelson having himself a game. Doug McNeil having a monster game, not in the yardage-wise, but still pitching in with three TDs, and also Reggie Gray pitching in with two touchdowns himself. It was an interesting game, Harrison. You were down there at the Wells Fargo Center. Just from your vantage point, what did you see that went wrong in this game for the soul? And, you know, and, and what can they do to write this, write the shipment and, and, and make the playoffs? Because this upcoming weekend's game against the, against the blackjacks is very important when it comes to playoff positioning and, and, and basically trying to get into the playoffs at this point. Yeah, they were very aggressive on Sunday. Offensively, they took a lot of shots downfield which is kind of uncharacteristic for the soul. While they definitely take their shots downfield, don't get me wrong, they're usually more of a dink and dunk, work down the field, run the three-step. They're a little bit more aggressive in this game. They took some more shots downfield, and I think that was a big part of Waterball's completion percentage not necessarily being there. He was just a, he was a 50% on the dot, which is very low for him. Normally he's up in that high 60s and 70s. So that's naturally going to come. And then they just were a little bit out of sync on Sunday once again. It just it really wasn't meshing. They would run some choice routes, and Prince would run a corner, Dan would throw a post, uh, come back, go. Was, there was just a lot of missed throws, a lot of throws where no one was kind of there, and it was just kind of – it just didn't look like it was in sync. And it wasn't necessarily physical errors all the time. A lot of it was kind of mental. And that's the stuff that kind of messes with you as an offense. It kind of gets in your head, like, just why aren't we on the same page? But, I mean, I'm still – I'm not crazily worried about the soul. But I think that last Sunday's game, whichever way their season goes, I think that's the game that everyone's going to look back on. I think if the Soul have a great season, they're going to look back on Sunday's game as the you know the game that the Soul went, wow, okay, what's going on? We got to turn this around, and then boom, they hit the run. Or if the Soul right. don't have a great end of the season, I think this will be the game where everyone's like, that's where the Soul really went downhill. That's the game where it all started tanking. So. I think it was a very important game. I think whichever way the season goes, I think we'll definitely remember this Washington game. But flipping to the other side, flipping to the Valor side, I thought they played great. I thought they went out there and fought hard. I think the Soul the soul shot themselves in the foot a lot, and they had opportunities to win that game. They had multiple opportunities to win that especially, game. But especially that in- fumble. Especially that. Uh, sorry for, yeah, sorry oh, yeah, for yeah, yeah. that fumble line. on the yeah. one-yard line. Oh, okay. That was a killer. That was a killer. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then and then the last drive, you get the ball back, too, and you have a timeout. So you, I mean, it's arena football. The field's only 50 yards. If you have the ball, 
and you're only down a possession, I mean, your mindset is we're going to score. And they just couldn't get it done. But I, I do want to look at the Valor. Um, I was, I was mm-hmm. impressed with them. I think Orville had another really good game. I think the two interceptions, that's kind of a testament to the Soul DBs being as good as they are. They made some great Certainly. plays on the ball. But 18 for 28, 239 yards and six touchdowns, added in that rushing touchdown late. I think he's just continuing to get better and better each week. I think he's, you know, he's a veteran in this game, but this is kind of his – and I said it last week, he's got to stake at MVP if they keep winning. I mean, because it, it comes down to what you define MVP as. Obviously, Tommy Grady and Malachi Jones have been unbelievable. And one of those right. two will probably win it. But, I mean, most valuable player for their team, I'm definitely going hard, though. Um, I love the receiving core, which I kind of have talked about on here before. I think it's a very versatile group between Dez Epps, Reggie Gray, Doug McNeil, Reese, and Dangerfield. I think each one of those guys can beat you in a different way. So last week we both put them, I went back and listened, we both put them at the five seed in our power rankings. I mean, I have to imagine that would change for you. Mm-hmm. I, I would I would definitely put them up. Oh, yeah, definitely. I would I would move them up in the power rankings. I think, who do we have? Who do we have number two? I know we had Albany one. Philly. Number two, we, we had Philly. Philly. Yeah, Philly has to. Philly definitely has to drop. Uh, the, Philly definitely has to drop this week. I, I would believe they would drop in D.C. and be more would would have the roster would have will have the roster the cream of the crop. Um, in this one, and yeah. we're going to talk about what B. Moore did to see. Uh, what B. Moore did to Albany. Uh, coming up. Um, in a few in a few minutes, but just touching back on this soul game, like you said, you know the two interceptions. That's just a testament to the soul. You know, DB's James Romain, you know, he's been playing outstanding. I mean, between him and Joe Powell, I mean, you can make a case where they both can be defensive player of the year at this point. I mean, it's it's really close yeah. with, you know, how they're both, you know, how they're both playing. And it, when it was such a killer when Reggie Gray scored that touchdown because on the previous play, James, James Romain gets hurt. And you're putting, you know, Dem, uh, Hollis in play in the middle, and you know Hollis is a is one of the, you know, one of the one of the one of the uh, good to great DBs, you know, in the league. And Reggie Gray just caught him and blew right by him, which was shocking to see because, like you said, you know, a guy like Hollis, you know, how you know good he how good he is, you're like, wow, Reggie Gray just blew right by him. But we know in the AFL, Harrison, that middleman position is. So you're on an island. You're really on an island. And when yeah. you have a guy in Reggie Gray who doesn't play as many snaps as a Doug McNeil and a Des Epps and a, and a Dangerfield and a Reese, he that means he's he's kind of got some more juice in the tank. Where he, if hey we need this we need this game one touchdown, you go to the old Wally veteran and uh, Reggie Gray, and that's what happened. And I also like what you said about the Valor's receiving core, which I think we could make a case that they might have the second-best wide receiving core in this league. I mean, it's not out of the realm of question. I know what Baltimore has with Joe Hills and Milton Williams and Brandon Collins, but, I mean, when you just look at the complexity of what each of those guys can do in D.C., I mean, I think you would have to put them at the second-best wide receiving core um, in the AFL. Yeah, so I want to touch back on that that fourth and ten because that was a huge moment in the game. Exactly. Uh, Romaine had just come out. Hollis went into the middle, and Hollis has played the middle before. He's a very experienced guy there. Um, it was cool. I actually I watched the TV broadcast, and I didn't get to see it that good. But then Coffee actually posted up a video on either his Instagram or Facebook. I'm not sure what it was. No, Coffee. But uh, he posted up a cool video with the angle, and it was actually a double move from Reggie Gray. 
and it's fourth and ten. So I think Hollis was playing the sticks on that. I know Hollis right. has been – a lot of people have been saying he got, like, burnt, burnt. Hollis was – like, he ran up on it. He was trying to play the ball, you know, and it wound up being a double move. And I think that was just a judgment thing, him trying to play the sticks. Great play call mm-hmm. by the Valor to run a double move on fourth and ten, backed up in your own territory with the high motion. It's a risky, it's a wow, risky that, move. It's a risky move. <laughs> yeah, man. If if the soul had been in, like, a deep zone, I don't know if that play would have worked. But if they manned up, the soul liked to man up. And Washington, Reggie Gray ran a nice double move, and he was wide, wide open. Like, the double move worked. Um, but, yeah, man, sometimes that happens. It's just it's arena football. You're going to get beat. And Hollis can play the middle. Like, if, if you know, if Hollis went somewhere else, not saying that he would leave Philly, but if he went somewhere else, he could start in the middle in this league for sure. But, yeah, the Valley's receiving core, like you kind of touched on, with their versatility and their talent, I mean, I kind of like the argument that they could be the second-best group. I think we will probably have to really dive into it, and that could be another subject for another podcast day to go over the groups in the league. But I think they're definitely one of the best receiving courts in the league for sure. Definitely. And um, I want to touch on uh, – I, I, I agree with you. So I think it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, how everything, you know, plays out you know, how everything, you know, continues to play off of both squads because like you pointed out earlier, Harrison, just a few minutes ago, is that this type of win or loss can either help or hurt both of these teams. So it's going to be interesting to see how each team, you know, goes forward, especially in their, especially in this week's uh, games coming up where, you know, both teams have some very tough matchups where they have to, you know, really prove that we can win on a consistent basis because both of these teams, you 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 probably agree with this. Both of these teams have been so up and down. They look they have games mm-hmm. where they look like they can be world beaters and you know they can make that run to the arena bowl. But then there's other games where it's just like what happened. But I think it's more so what happens. I think the latter of that statement goes towards more the soul because I think in my opinion, I think the the Valor have looked more consistent this season than the Soul have. Well, the Valor have closed out games really, really well. They, uh, they've they had the two buzzer beaters, and then in this one, they got an interception Correct. at the buzzer. So that's three games where the last play of the game could have went either way. You know what I mean? And that changes the entire structure of the Valor season and the whole league's record since it's such a, a small league. But they've done a really nice job closing games. And I feel like they're a very scrappy team. And, I mean, I guess that could date back to last year as well. But I think it's a very new roster, a very new kind of program there with the way they're doing things, and I think they're extremely scrappy. I think they're kind of never out of a game, as we saw when they played Albany. They were they were getting blown out. I don't really remember the score, but it was like the middle of the third quarter, and they were getting beat up on, and then they just kept scoring. They put it together, and they got themselves back to within the game. So this is a scrappy team. This is a hungry team. I feel like, um, you know, they, they kind of still have that underdog mentality um, dating back from last year. So that's always good to have with a team. That's always going to make a team run a little bit faster, hit a little bit harder, as we saw here in Philly with the Eagles back a few years ago. But, yeah, man, it, it's the league is still – it's really wide open besides the first seed and the sixth seed. I mean, that middle, right. you got four and three and three and four teams. The three and four teams mm-hmm. play each other this week. And, you know, Washington and Baltimore don't have easy games either. So, it's going to be interesting. It could move again. You know, we could be right back to where everyone's – well, no, we couldn't, but – we could be right back to where everyone's <laughs> in that four and four range. We can't have all the yep. same teams be four and four again, like last week with three and three, because Philly and AC. But it could be a very tight, tight little window there for those seeds, and there's going to be a good team that doesn't make the playoffs. 
this year for sure. Yeah. Whoever the fifth seed is, sadly, going to be an RA team that doesn't make it. Sadly, that that sadly that's looking more and more. Um, well, that's, more, that's looking more and more like the case here. And um, you mentioned that team who's in the sixty right now. Let's let's jump in and talk about it uh, real quick. The Destroyers, the Columbus Destroyers, C-Bus, as we call them, more so as Harrison has decorated them as C-Bus, and we have just yep. taken on the nickname C-Bus with a huge win, 54-50 to over AC, getting revenge on the Blackjacks from their earlier season loss. Grant Russell with a tremendous game, um, six, uh, tw- 16-27 to for 217, six touchdowns and zero INTs, amazing, um, just, just, just tremendous, tremendous all around. Kenyatta's Cook, who stepped, who came, who came out of nowhere, pretty much. Three receptions, fifty nine yards, two TDs. Paul Browning, who was released by the Black Jacks, he gets uh, two touchdowns as well. Uh, can't forget Fabian Guerra starting the game off with a kick return for a touchdown, really setting things off. And on the AC side, Randy Hippert. You know, he played good, too, 289 passing yards, six TDs, and a rushing touchdown. Lamarck Brown had an excellent game, once again, proving that he can be a top-tier number one option in this league. 12 receptions for 150 yards and five touchdowns. But I think a lot of discussion this week, Harrison, should be about the Destroyers. They finally played a full game, and it worked out to their – and it finally worked out for them that they got their first win of the season. It wasn't easy. But they made the plays. Grant Russell didn't turn over the ball, and the defense did a very good job against that against that explosive um, AC offense. Yeah, it was a good game. Uh, it came right down to the wire, and it was. I felt like it was good that it was at home. That Columbus got their first win at home. I think that's a nice little touch. Send the home fans home happy. They've they've waited a long time to see the Columbus Destroyers win again, and. Yeah, it was a good game. Like you said, Lamar Brown, uh, that's, that's just the place I want to start, even though we definitely got to go over Columbus. 12 receptions, 150 yards, and five touchdowns. Whew, that's like an old-school arena football stat line. You don't see those too much anymore. Five touchdowns in itself is a really good game, and he went out and played a great game, and he's had a really, really good season. In my opinion, this has kind of been his best season yet, just in the amount of games that he's played and the success he's had. He's really been their number one, but – yeah, we definitely got to talk about Columbus. Like you said, Kenny Cook, man, kind of came out of nowhere, but he looks like he could be a good player in this league. He's a little bit bigger, which is always mm-hmm. good to have some extra size and speed. Caught that game-winning touchdown, a really important touchdown for them. And then, yeah, Grant Russell did definitely play his best game yet. So, testament to you for calling that one, Jovan, because I think I said that that was going to be good for me in the standings, but uh, definitely not, man. It, it was a good game, though. Tremendous game, and I think you know that game almost that game, like you said, from this from the from the individual stats to the play, it almost like you said reminded you of an old AFL game. I think in that second half, you know, with back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, it was all right. We're going to take our shot now. We're going to take our shot, and and it was good to see. I think, it, like you said, it was great play. Um, Lamarck Brown, you know, he's just having a tremendous tremendous season, like you said, Cook. He could be, you know, he could be a breakout, you know, not a breakout star, but he can be another key in that wide receiving cog for, you know, the Destroyers. And you just look at their wide receiving core heading into the rest of the season. You have Cook, you have Browning, you still have Shoshek, you have Fabian Guerra, and your guy, the captain, is making his return today, making his return 
um, off the IR and playing, you know, hopefully this week. How do you think uh, Demo is going to help that uh, help the Columbus wide receivers and just that offense? Even though they played very well, but it's nothing like having a veteran, um, like having a veteran like Donovan Morgan lining up right next to you. Dude, I think as soon as Demo, and it looks like it's this week, but as soon as Demo is fully healthy and back on that field, dude, I think he's going to go off. I think he's going to have a crazy game. Whatever it is, whenever he's at 100%, getting reps all the time in the game, in the game plan, it's going to be crazy. I really think so. Because the last time we saw Demo with the L.A. Kiss, he was still the same old Demo. He was still going crazy, winning all arenas, leading the league in yards or whatever, like, Demo has been doing this, and I like the complimentary pieces they have for him now because Fabian Guerra has definitely established a role of his own as a respectable receiver in this league, the NAL and the AAF. Like, he's kind of been doing this for the past year or so now on this kind of circuit, and he's definitely proven that he's a talented receiver for this level. We just talked about Kenny Cook and Paul Browning. We both like Stoshak. So, yeah, I like what the, the destroyers have weapon-wise. I, just, I still think that it's kind of going to be an uphill battle for this young team in a year where those other five teams are all really established, veteran-filled, and they're kind of in their rhythm, in their in their groove. But, hey, you never know what can happen. Last year was crazy, and the Columbus Destroyers could put something together themselves too. So definitely not something to rule out, but I think it's going to be an uphill battle for sure. And it's funny you said that because I had that literally was the question I had written down <laughs> under the under Destroyers, and that was can they make a run towards a playoff berth? I mean, it's not. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility, but what they are, what one in six now, they would need a they would need a colossal collapse between the fourth and the fifties to even be in that conversation, which is not out of the realm of possibility. But I'm, you know, odds are yeah. odds not on their favor. It's a ways though. Yeah. But I mean, hey, it's going to be an interesting finish for sure. Um, it really is it's already coming down to the wire. We're down to final five weeks of the season. Uh, it's a shorter season this year with only 12 games. I like that, though. Um, I think that's how it should be for this year. I think it's going right. to make for some competitive finishes, for sure. Oh, definitely. And, you know, we're going to talk. Like I said, we're going to look. We're going to look. We're going to give our picks for week eight and talk some DraftKings. We're going to do all that coming up very shortly here on the High Motion Podcast with Jovan Alford and Harrison Brown from arena fan um from arenafan.com uh, um here and before we you know jump in to finish well you know what I was about to talk about transactions cuz there's a lot of interesting transactions that just hit across the wire actually um let's 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 talk about this last game cuz I do want to talk about the transactions cuz all be made a couple of interesting transactions and a couple interesting moves, which has kind of caught my eye. But before we get there, let's talk about the Empire. Um, from the other upset this weekend, the Brigade came into Albany and defeated them 42 to 41. It was in a, it was another close game. But Shane Boyd and company, they duel, they he outdueled Tommy Grady, and you got to give credit. Can we give credit to the Brigade defense getting two interceptions on Tommy Grady? Shane Boyd 261. Six TDs and an interception. Joe Hills, we talk about Lamarck Brown, but Joe Hills, he had himself a game as well. 13 receptions for 137 yards and four TDs. He had a point to prove. 
it seemed like, um, in that game. And Brandon Collins, he also added 103 receiving yards and two TDs. Like I said, Grady, two interceptions himself, six TDs, 284 yards. But Quentin Sims, Q Sims, coming up with a huge game himself. Eight receptions for 146 yards and two TDs. It was Like I said, it was a good game. But did Baltimore expose some chinks in the Empire's armor, Harrison? That is something that I'm wondering now. Have Did Baltimore put out the game plan on how to slow down this Albany, uh, this Albany offense, or was more so Albany just had an off day and they couldn't overcome their miscues? Maybe. Um, I mean, it's tough to win every game. It really is. And you start to see teams multiple times. It's a smaller league. Everybody knows everybody. Um, I'm sure Omar has coached against Keith a bunch of times before. Like, there's a general sense of familiarity. I definitely think that Baltimore went out there and probably played their best game of the year just collectively. Like you said, Joe Hills went off, and that's kind of going to be a huge thing moving forward for them. If he continues doing this, which we've seen him do in the past, I mean, these types of numbers, this could be a regular occurrence for him. If he continues on this streak um, and continues dominating like, like he did against Albany, Baltimore could be in a really, really good position just off what he brings alone. But I do like the roster they have. I think they're a good arena football team. I think they're very well balanced. Um, like I touched on last week, like we kind of talked about, the loss of Brandon Tompkins and Joe Goosby in that one game definitely hurt them. But I feel like they've kind of moved forward. Obviously, those are two veterans and very hard to replace. But Brandon Collins is a guy that everyone really likes. He had a really good game. And then Milton Williams, early in the season, was putting up great numbers in terms of, you know, yards per catch and all that. Uh, he's a he's a good veteran receiver who's kind of been around for a little bit. So, yeah, it was a good win for Baltimore. Shane Boyd won Offensive Player of the Week. He played a really good game, and he's continued to just get it done. I mean, he hasn't lit up the world. He hasn't, you know, came in and become the best quarterback in the league. But he's a veteran. He's been playing arena football for years. You know, he's, he's sat behind some great quarterbacks, worked with some great coaches. And I think it's kind of showing, and I'm, I'm glad he kind of got this opportunity to come out and play because even when things didn't go exactly right in San Antonio, that wasn't all his fault. That was a, a really messed up situation in terms of ownership. And when that happens, it can be – I mean, it could just be a long season sometimes, and that's how it was for San Antonio that year. And then after that, he only got backup opportunities. I, I don't even think he got a relief start. Yeah, he probably came in for Davila when they were winning right. the games, but this has kind of been – his first opportunity with a good organization, you know, an organization that's going to put good players with him, a good coaching staff. No disrespect to anybody on San Antonio that year. I'm just saying that it was a mess out there uh, from time to bottom. And now he's finally getting his shot in a good situation. So I'm excited for Shane Boyd. And Albany, I think they're going to bounce back fine. I don't, I don't think this is a long-term threatening thing to them. I, I think they're going to be fine. We touched on it last week, but they did lose DJ Stevens. Uh, that definitely hasn't been an mm-hmm. easy thing for them to swallow, but their right. team core is still very, very good with Malachi Sims and Colin Taylor. So I, I, Albany's going to be fine, but I think this is more so a testament to Baltimore just coming out and having a really good game. Oh yeah, for sure. And it sounds like it sounds like it sounds like you're 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 you're, you're inching yourself on the Shane Boyd bandwagon. It sounds like it, it sounds it sounds it sounds like you're getting there, Harrison. I, I, are, are you are you officially on the Shane Boyd bandwagon? Are you a believer? I mean, it's Shane hard. Boyd? It's, it's hard to say exactly, but I would definitely say I'm a fan of Shane Boyd. I would definitely say I'm rooting for Shane Boyd, and there I think he he's exceeded <laughs> my expectations. To be honest with you, 
Like, like no disrespect to him, he has exceeded my expectations. I wasn't exactly sure what to expect from someone who sure. hadn't played that much, but he's, he's shown that he's a veteran. He's shown that he can play in this game. Uh, he's a guy who has NFL experience, too, dating back, and he played in the SEC at Kentucky. So by no means is Shane Boyd, you know, someone to not respect the quarterback. And I think he's kind of proving that. I think, you know, hey, it would be fun to see them make a little bit of a playoff run with Shane Boyd. I think he deserves it. I really do. Yeah, definitely. And one could make the case that Shane Boyd is the third best quarterback in the league. I'm just saying, just saying, just putting it out um, there. Um, you can. I don't know. Just, I, I, see, we would, yeah. we would have to deep dive into that. I'll have to go look at the stats. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to throw no hot takes Please out there. On that one. <laughs> I don't want to throw no hot takes <laughs> out there because I was rolling last week, but I don't want to just get too into it and then just totally just. Just kill my just yeah, kill the shot right here. Nah, nah, nah. But yeah. like you said, great win for Baltimore. The defense, the defense has been spectacular. Even without the even without Joe Goosby, that secondary is still playing, you know, lights out. So hey, we'll see what both squads um do this week as they both have some tough uh games coming up um in a in a few days. But now we get to our now we get to the most interesting part of our podcast, which is the transaction wire. People have been following along and listening to this podcast for the last three or four years. You know that we take the transaction wire very seriously. It was times back in the old days, back in the old days of the AFL. I mean, we're talking like Las Vegas Outlaws, LA Kiss, San Jose Sabercats days, New Orleans Voodoo days, where me and Harrison would wait literally at 630 every day to wait for the transactions to drop with the AFL having a nice little cool website and nice little cool logos next to the transaction. And we would discuss, you know, what happened on the transaction wire. And we continue that tradition because as you know, the tradition like no other, as we look at the transaction wire. So we do have some interesting transactions coming through, um, coming through uh, today. Um, come in Albany, um, we see that Terrence Smith, who suffered an injury in that game against Baltimore, he has been placed on uh, placed on um, injury reserve. We see also that Jawan Offray was was placed on recallable reassignment. I'm pretty sure he should be back. I thought he played pretty good um, for them. But Brad Muhammad is back. Brad Muhammad has been assigned, and also Temple. Um, Temple, uh, former Temple Owl tight end and also slash defensive end Ramon Deloach have off have been signed uh, by Albany. He's six foot four, two twenty, versatile, um, versatile player at Temple, and he will be now getting a chance at the Empire um, as their um, as a wide receiver. Also coming out in the transaction wire, um, we saw that Justin Lawrence was activated from league suspension um, from with Baltimore. And we also saw that the Blackjacks placed Dante Rump on reassignment and has signed Willie McGinnis. No, not that Willie McGinnis from the really? New England Patriots. Yes, Willie McGinnis. No, no, no. Gladiators. Yep, there you go. That's Willie McGinnis has been signed. So, Harrison, you know, and before, before we move on, one more one more happened, as we talked about, as me, Harrison, talked about in text messages. Um, yesterday, LaRoja La Jackson was also placed on IR. But, Harrison, a lot of interesting moves on the transaction wire, especially with Willie McGinnis going to AC, and they pick up a, a very good defensive end. 
the soul could use a defensive lineman. I wonder why they were not on on him. Yeah, I, I wanted to start with Deloach being the Temple guy, but nah, if Willie McGinnis, we definitely got to talk about that. Man, Willie McGinnis is a great nose guard or Mac linebacker. I assume they're going to put him in nose, and I think that's exactly what we talked about last week, how they just kind of needed one more playmaker on that defensive line. I could not think of a better person than Willie McGinnis for that defensive line. That is the perfect guy to add in at nose guard. He's a beast. He has a great motor, great get-off. He's going to be a very, very productive player for them. And I think that's a big pickup with Antron Dillon and Monty Lewis on the edges out there. So, wow. Actually, I'm on the arena fan transactions. I'm not seeing any of the transactions that you mentioned, but that's a that's a huge pickup for Atlantic City. So I hadn't even seen that one. So that was my natural reaction when I said really like that. I, I had no clue he was coming back. but And then I also want to touch on Deloach, who's a guy that I really liked coming out of college, just watching his film, um, the versatility that he had to be able to catch a bunch of passes and then also come out and play defensive line and have that blocking responsibility, I think it will be interesting to see how they utilize him. Um, you need versatility in this league. Do you, do you think that they'll use him in more of a defensive end spot or the receiver spot? I'm trying to think here. I mean, I don't think they're going to use him at wide receiver because, like you said, they're already loaded at wide receiver yeah. at this point with, you know – with Sims and Taylor and Jones, but if they were going to use them on defense, I think they would assign. They would have. It would have on the assignment list. They would have came up as a defensive end and not a wide receiver. So maybe they, maybe they see something in them. Maybe they think with his. Maybe they think he can be a speed guy for them, and and bring him some and bring him some athleticism or be that big body guy in the end zone that they don't have. I mean, there's a wide world of possibilities um, for Deloach, but also just happy to get to see him get his shot. I think he's, I think he's got some shots, you know, with some NFL mini camps, if I'm not mistaken. So to see him get an opportunity with the Empire, that's very good, um, very good to hear. But like you said, um, Willie McGinnis, that's the big one. That's a huge one. I mean, talk about a mid-season pickup <laughs> by the Blackjacks. Yeah. I mean, I mean, sheesh. I mean. You talk about you talk about bringing in the artillery. I mean, that's bringing in the artillery. And if you're a team like the Soul now, with Dante Rump um, being being you know being cut, do you do do you think the Soul should go after him, Harrison? Because we we've, we've talked about how this defensive line has has really un, has really underperformed this season. Do you think Rump is the guy that can give them some extra boost and push on that defensive line? Rump's a good player. I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure if that's the way the soul would want to go. Um, there's a lot of D linemen. Like, like think about Roman Delawatch. We we both probably remembered him from college, but when's the last time you thought about him as an AFL prospect? Like, there's hundreds of dudes from like every random college and every. So like you, it's it really comes down to just what the team wants, who the who the the coaches and GMs like. But I, I do. I was a fan of Dante Rump. I thought he was playing all right. Um, I guess it just came down to a roster thing with Willie McGinnis. But when you get that type of veteran, when you get a guy who's been there, played in arena bowls, played on a bunch of different teams, and had a uh, honestly, he's had a lot of success in this league. He really has. I'm gonna look up his stats in a minute, but I think that's a huge pickup for Atlantic City. I think it's kind of kind of exactly what they needed for that defense. Right. We like their secondary. Right. They have a lot of young guys and a lot of mix. It'll be interesting to see 
What happened to Jack Linebacker with LJ going down? That's unfortunate. He had been having a really good year in his transition from backside corner to Jack Linebacker, but now he's on IR. We'll see what they do there. Linden Trail is a pass rusher, but if you're just going off size alone, he is six foot seven and he knows how to make tackles. So you could do that, but he's a true defensive end, Mac linebacker, definitely for the rest of his career. That's where you want to utilize him with all the talent he has. But yeah, man, William McGinnis, that's a huge pickup. He could play Mac or nose. He's done both. He kind of has that athleticism, despite being a nose guard size, that he can go back and play Mac. He has that burst. I love that pickup. Right. That's a great pickup. It's a huge pickup, huge pickup, and I'm and, and and that should help them as they have a tough matchup with the soul and. You know, let's jump right into it. You know, with our uh, week eight picks here on the High Motion Podcast, let's talk about it. Week eight, let's get it started on Saturday. We on we have two games on. We're doing as as Harrison pointed out last week. The AFL is doing a lot of different things with the schedule, trying to find what's a good mixture and good combination of games. Last week we had a game on each night, which was pretty cool. Like Harrison said, you can't beat that. AFL games on yeah. on on three day on three days in a row. That was nice to have. Um, but we do have two games on Saturday and one game on Sunday. I hope folks do not hear the rain in the background because it is currently just pouring outside. I just hear it here at my windows pouring. I'm outside. Feel sorry for anybody. Feel sorry for anybody that's outside right now. But um, <laughs> yeah. Three thirty, we have uh, the Baltimore Brigade versus the Columbus Destroyers. Both teams coming off very big wins. You know, Columbus getting their first win. Um, Columbus getting their first win, going up against the Baltimore team that just took down uh, the Empire. Um, this game, this game screams toss up. I mean, all three games this week, I think, are are are, are a real toss up. But, uh, Harrison, who do you have in this game and why? Interesting one. I think a big part of it could be how much Donovan Morgan do we see. You know, I think that could be a huge thing for the Columbus Destroyers. I think that could be kind of a make-or-break thing in this game. But they had a good game last week against Atlantic City. Atlantic City beat Baltimore two times this year. So, off that train of thought, it definitely means that Columbus could be in it. For me, I I hesitate to pick them two weeks in a row. I still think they're a very young team. I think they're still a team that's learning to win. Last week was definitely a positive step, but I'm going to continue sleeping. If they win this week, I'm going to look dumb, but I'm going to continue sleeping on them. I'm going with the Brick Squad, another easy pick for me. Joe Hills, Shane Boyd have been playing good. They have a good defense with Joe Powell. Victorian has played great in the middle this year. Very underrated guy in the middle. He's played pretty much all three Backside, field side, and the middle now, um, DB positions. But, yeah, he's had a really good year in the middle. So, I've, I've loved what he's done. And I just think that Baltimore is going to come out on top of this one. Once again, it's good that Columbus is home. I think that's definitely a strong point for them. When they played the Valor at home, they should have won the game. When they played the Black Jacks at home, they did win. So, they're definitely better at home than on the road, which you would expect. But I'm going Baltimore. Yeah, I'm going to lean Baltimore myself. I think, like you said, I think it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a good game, but I just think it's just going to be too much offense. Um, I think, like you said, too much offense from Baltimore. They're clicking right now defensively. Um, they're playing. They're defensively. They're 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 locked in. Um, right now we just look back. You know, these teams played earlier in the season, and Baltimore uh, won that game going away, 48 to 30. They scored 20 unanswered points. Um, 
in the fourth quarter. In the fourth quarter, we saw uh, Columbus have five fumbles. They lost two of the five. Um, they they just did not look good at all. You know, they couldn't convert anything on third down. They were 0-4 on third down. Um, Grant Russell had three sacks. He had an interception. It just wasn't a good game. Uh, from Cbus, I don't think I don't I don't think he's going to duplicate that same performance that he had against Bmore earlier this season. But like you said, Shane Boyd, Joe Hills, you know, are just playing well. Brandon Collins, you know, those guys, and like you said, Victoria is playing the middleman really well this season. And the other guy, I think Robinson, he's been he's he's looked very solid as well in that secondary for Baltimore. So. That being said, I'm like you said, I'm going, I'm going with Baltimore too. I, I'm sorry, Columbus. I, if this was a different matchup, maybe if it was against the Soul, I probably would have swung Columbus way, but not this week. I think Baltimore. I think Baltimore now is. I think they figure things out. And I think this is where they start to get rolling and start to solidify um, their playoff positioning. Next up on the list, on also on Saturday night, is another good one. This one, I think, has the chance to be the best game of the entire weekend, and that is the Albany Empire versus the Washington Valor. This time it happened in D.C. The last time these two teams met Harrison, it was an offensive shootout. Um, it, it, it was just ridiculous. 58-48, Arvell had seven touchdowns. Grady had seven touchdowns in the INT. Doug McNeil went off for a for, you know, four touchdowns, it was just, and that was his, I think that was his first game of the season, and it was just ridiculous um, what was going on in that game. Back and forth, back and forth, Washington had a chance to, you know, get a get a head start early in the game, but couldn't capitalize. What are your thoughts on this game, and who do you have winning? Well, the Valor really impressed me last week, and like you touched on, they, they were very scrappy in that game against Albany. So I think it might honestly be an interesting one. Uh, I want to go with the upset. I do, but I'm, I'm picking Albany. I just think logically that's the way that I would go in this game if I was a batting man. I think Albany is the stronger team on paper. I still am super hesitant about Washington's defense. I really am. Um, the soul, they missed a lot of opportunities, but there was opportunities there. I mean, there was like four or five-plus scoring plays for the soul that they just didn't convert on. We we brought up the fumble, drop passes, missed throws, turnovers on downs, a, a bunch of things. Really, the soul did not help themselves in that game. And I think that that defense, any liability you have on that defense, Albany's going to exploit. They have a very, very well-rounded group offensively, great pass protection, great quarterback, great receiving core. They've played great to this point. They really have. Even last week, they lost by one point to a good Baltimore team. Um you know, they're, they're, they're in the driver's seat right now in this entire league, and I'm picking them over the Valor. I think the Valor still have a really good thing going. but I think it, And I think it would be interesting if the Valor lose, we're back to that 4-4. Four and four. There's going to be a few teams who could be 4-4, four and four, so it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's going to be an interesting game, and I'm leaning the same way, too. I, I, I was, I was going to go Washington, but like you said, that defense is, st- that defense is still – troublesome i mean in the soul game you know they were able to get a couple of deep shots off but there was so many other deep shots that they had open harrison if if you know rodeball and just the other wide receivers were able to connect the opportunities were there and you look at a, an albany team that's you know that's definitely going to be hungry 
you know, their motto this season is unfinished business. And, you know, they're going to try to put the finishing touches on on D.C. I think they're going to bounce back. And, you know, with a big game, I think Washington, I think Washington's going to play them hard, you know. I, I think I think they're going to play them hard uh, in this game. I think it's going to come down to whoever has the ball, whoever can, whoever can have the ball last. I know that's so cliche to say, but in this case, whoever has the ball last, you know, I think will win this game. If you're all being, you don't want to give Washington a chance <laughs> to beat you with yeah. like less than 30 seconds left in the game because they they live in that moment. They're not phased by that moment at all. I think you have to try to, and I think this is key, you're going to have to try to score off of the turnovers that you get off of Arvell Nelson because even though Nelson has played phenomenal football this season, Harrison, you would agree with me because you saw him in person, he does have the tendency to give the ball away at the same time. For as many good plays as he made, he will turn over the ball. So I think if you're Albany, you have to make sure you make him pay for those turnovers. And if you're and if you're Washington, if you're able to get a turnover on Grady, you have to make sure you convert with some points. Because if not, Albany will just come right back down and score points on you. So I'm going with the Empire as well. No shame in my game. If we both gonna go down, we both gonna go down with the same picks this week more than likely. Sure. <laughs> but last but not last but not least, least excuse me. On uh, Sunday at four o'clock, another another late afternoon game uh, for the Soul here, Philly versus the Soul. I mean, not excuse me, the Blackjacks versus the Soul. Uh-oh. The Soul down at the uh, <laughs> down at the Wells Fargo Center. The last time, <laughs> yeah. these, last time these first two teams met, last time these teams met, they uh, uh, it was back in Week One. That was an exciting game. That was the game that Darius Reynolds went down to injury and he wasn't. I think he was out for the next few games after that, but now he's playing defense. Mm-hmm. Now the AC, you know, they're they're trying to bounce back off of a loss. The Solar trying to bounce back off a loss. This game has a lot of playoff implications too. At the same time, as well as whoever loses this game, they're going to be sitting in that fifth spot, wondering we have a we have a large hurdle uh, to climb over. Harrison, who do you got in this game and why? No doubt, man. This is going to be a good one. It's tough. This is kind of a toss-up. I've been rolling with Philly all year. I think I I really do think that at some point they're going to get this thing together and be just fine. I think it might be this week. It might not be. The thing thing that I was kind of expecting, I was expecting some transactions this week from Philly. I thought there, there would be an addition or two, and there could have been a practice guy in or two that we don't know about, but nothing across the wire yet from, from what I've heard, but in this one, it's tough. I'm going Philly, though. I am I am going to pick the Soul. I'm going to take them over the Blackjacks. And I think one of the big things is is the Soul DBs. I think even even when this team has struggled a little bit, even when they've had down games, defensive backfield has stayed pretty solid besides that one Albany game. That one Albany game, they didn't play great. But other than that, every single week, the DBs on this team have played really, really exceptionally well. I think Darius mm-hmm. Reynolds has adjusted to Jack Linebacker well. He's played the position yep. before with Iowa, and I think it was maybe even a little bit with San Jose. Um, yeah, Money's done a really nice job at Jack. As much as we'd all love to see him a receiver because we know what type of dominant threat he is, he's mm-hmm. athletic enough, and he fits the mold of a good Jack linebacker in this league. He, he's, you know, a strong tackler. He's done a really nice job with it, in my opinion. And I think it'll be interesting to progress when they put him back on offense because I – I think it's a matter of, of when, not if. I think I think Money will be back to being a full-time receiver at some point very soon. But 
hey, he stepped up and done a nice job at Jack Linebacker. I think that could be a, a big thing for them is how the secondary plays. And I just I feel like the secondary is going to continue to go out there and do their thing. We saw Lamarck Brown, the Blackjacks wide receiver, go out and have five touchdowns last week, 12 receptions, 150 yards, five touchdowns. That's a great stat line. The Souls are going to have to come out and, you know, have a game plan for him. Antoine Grant didn't practice today. That could be something to monitor for the Blackjacks receiving core. They still have a guy like Kendrick Ings. He's going to go out and get his, but I'm trusting the Souls in this one. The offense, I'm hoping they get back on track a little bit for my prediction. I'm, I'm not sure if it's going to be 100% Soul football yet. I, it's been We haven't seen it yet, even in the Columbus game. We have not seen the offense fully be on the same page and the Soul play a 100% all three phases of the ball game. I don't know if it's going to be this week. I'm not sure if we'll see it this year, but I'm going with the soul in this one once again. Yeah, I I, I was name. I, I I feel the same way. I think I, I agree with every point that you said. I, I'm taking the soul as well, but I'm not confident in this pick. Um, I think for the soul, I think the X factor in this game for them is is, is stopping Kendrick Ings because that's the guy that can. We saw a couple weeks ago he had a pretty dominant game himself with four total touchdowns. I think, you know, for with all the attention that Lamarck Brown's gonna bring, Kendrick Ings can turn a game on on his on, on his head real quick if he gets an opening. So I think, you know, I think I think like you said, the soul DBs, you know, they're gonna they're gonna have to, you know, play exceptionally well and I don't and I think that they will. I think, you know, the the real question is that pass rush. You know, what can the soul pass rush do? Can they get some type of pressure? Can they at least get a sack? I know the stat sheet last week said that they had a sack against Nelson, but it's hard to remember. It's hard to remember when they actually had that sack, if you know what I mean. It wasn't noticeable, and I think they need to have pressure from the defensive line. They have to get something going there because you cannot allow quarterbacks just to sit there, no matter what level you play at. You cannot have opposing quarterbacks just sitting back there, just slicing, dicing up, picking their spots, having their time to hit, you know, to hit the deep double moves and, you know, just hitting the deep shots. You just can't have that because it, it just you're just going to be in a world of trouble. So I, I say that to say that, you know, it's going to be up to the offense, like you said. Uh, you want you, you I, I would like to see the soul not try to go for a lot of deep shots. Just play methodical. Play methodical. You know, hit the intermediate rows, get the ball in the rhythm, rhythm, get the wide receivers in, in, in rhythm. You know, get them in, get them into a, get them into a nice fill for, during the game, and then then take your deep shots and really open up their defense because they're going up against a nice AC defense that gave them troubles in week one is going to give them troubles again. You know, this week. So that being said, I'm going with the soul as well, Harrison, but I'm not too confident <laughs> with the with my selection either. Um, with my selection yeah. either, but hey, we'll see it, what happens. Be, I think. It'd be- I think it's going to be a really good game. I do. I think I think these teams kind of match up well. And mm. dating back to week one and then in the preseason in that inter-squad scrimmage, they've kind of had, you know, a, a beef, a rivalry going on in that inter-squad scrimmage. There was some pushing and shoving. I, I feel like that kind of has gotten overplayed by some people around, but it's definitely something that both teams remember. I mean, I know for a fact it got brought up in the press conference. And then week one, Neil Tibbetts uncharacteristically gets ejected. Uh, after a PAT with a blackjack defensive lineman, they were kind of, you know, uh, going after each other. So there's a little bit of beef there. There's a little bit of, you know, fiery, high tension. Marvin Ross mm-hmm. got hurt in the first game versus Seoul. So 
I think it's going to be an interesting one. I, I don't think either team, especially being three and four, and with this being such an important game for the fifth or for the fourth seed or the fifth seed for whoever the loser is, I think these teams are going to come out fired up. I think it's going to be a really good one on Sunday. I'm looking forward to heading to the Wells Fargo Center and checking it out. I mean, I, hey, I know we're both going to be in for a show, so it's going to be a good one. Definitely, and if you want to catch out not only the Soul Black Jacks, you can check out all the action this weekend coming up on ESPN3. If you got the ESPN app on the Roku or whatever device, you can check out all the arena football games. And even if you miss them, you can check them out on replay instantly. It's just that fast. It's just that easy. You can check out the AFL on ESPN3. So enjoy the football as well. Um, got a couple more minutes left in the show to wrap up. Um, let's give our DraftKings selections um, this week. I think, who did we go with last week? Last week was it Doug McNeil? I think we said McNeil. No, that was and... two weeks ago. That was two weeks ago. Who did, weeks. Say, who did we say last week? I, I went Antoine Grant, and I don't think that yes, played too well for everyone. And who did I, I go with? I listened, to it, I, go with? I listened to it a few minutes ago. I don't remember who. Um, Drawing a blank. Did I say did I say BJ Bunn, or or did I say or did I no I said Colin Taylor. I think that's what I said. Yeah, Colin Taylor. That is who you picked. Yeah. Yeah, Colin Taylor. And, all right. It was a good pick. Yeah, had, had a touchdown. You know, I wish I probably would have wished I went. You know, Q Sims or whatever. But I did come away. I did get a win. I won two dollars, and I won two dollars last week, last go. last weekend. Right. So you know, solid victory, solid victory. I'll take I'll take I'll take them on the chin. You know, I'll take them how I can get it. But um, <laughs> dub, you know, who would who would who would you tell people to pick in this week's contest? Hmm, that's interesting. Hmm, I think that um. The matchups are very hard. Yeah, it's an interesting week. I think Philly and Atlantic City will be high scoring. I think um, I think both those teams will do well. If I had to put one name, um, I, I might go Darius Prince. I think Darius Prince will have a strong bounce back week. I think he did not play up to standard last week, and also it depends on his injury. Uh, he had a shoulder shoulder injury in that game. He's been on limited participation this week, so that's definitely something to keep up on. If he continues to be on limited participation and has questionable game day, might not be the best pick, but if he's out there, I think he'll have a very strong game because, you know, it was obvious for him that he didn't play up to standard, and he's a high-quality player. He was in an NFL mm-hmm. training camp last year in the AAF. He's a good receiver. He has uh, amazing ability out of the high motion with his athleticism. He's a great fade ball guy. He's going to win vertically. Nine times out of ten, he found himself open a lot in that game. I felt like all game, he was working his way open and and winning routes. It just wasn't connecting between him and Dan. I think that's going to start to come. They've worked together for a little bit now, dating back to that 2017 playoff run. They were together most of last year, and then Dan got hurt. And now this year has kind of been their first full season together. I think everything is going to continue to gel for the soul. Like I said, I'm not sure if this will be the week that they put it together because Last week, they were very, very far from put together, but I do think Darius Prince will have a strong bounce-back week, and that's my DraftKings pick of the week. Hey, Darius Prince, you can't go wrong with that. And on my end, I'm going to go with – I'm going to ride the high hand this week. I think go with Quentin Sims. Sims had a huge game um, last week, eight receptions, 146 yards, a couple touchdowns. I think keep on riding that high hand. You know, without Stevens, it seems like Sims is that next guy 
up who's going to get a majority of receptions and, you know, have the ability to score some touchdowns for you. So I would go Quentin Sims. Definitely uh, go with Sims and your DraftKings. Harrison has Darius Prince. So, hey, enjoy the DraftKings. Enjoy the AFL action um, this weekend. And that's that's pretty much going to wrap up another edition of the High Motion Podcast here on a Block Talk Radio. But before we wrap, Harrison, you have anything coming up that folks should be looking out for coming up on arenafan.com or anything else? Yeah, man, no doubt. Going to head out to the Atlantic City and Philly game this weekend. Going to write up the piece about that. And then I'm going to have some type of feature story next week. Um, we actually have been talking with Keontae Northington to come on the podcast. Uh, he was supposed to make a pee. Unfortunately, couldn't make it. He had to go to the gym and get a workout in. Big game versus Seoul this weekend, man. I understand. Listen, get ready. Do your thing, Keontae. So we're going to have him on early next week. We're really looking forward to having him come on and chop it up. Um, other than that, man, not too crazy. You know, just doing my thing. Um, trying to get a little creative with some stories. Trying to think outside the box a little bit. But other than that, man, just, you know, doing my thing. How about you, bro? Pretty much same old, same old. You know, just trying to just trying to keep on keeping on and staying up uh, staying up when everything happened with the Sixers and free agency and the NBA draft with the NBA draft happening Definitely. this time next week. Actually, draft is next Thursday. Wow, time's flying. And then 10 days later, after the draft, we'll have NBA free agency kicking off. So, yeah, it's going to be a very interesting wow. time. So, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it's going to be an interesting KG. time. So, make sure, yeah, yeah. Make sure you uh, keep yeah. it locked on TotalSportsLive.com. There's going to be a lot of interesting stuff happening uh, between hair and free agency and then summer league and all that good stuff. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun. But um, that was an, appreciate everybody, you know, checking us out and listening to us each and every week. We appreciate it. Like I said, you can check us out on blogtalkradio.com, backslash TotalSportsLive, um, Spotify, search TotalSportsLive, TSL, the TSL podcast, or – Apple Podcast, same thing, Total Sports Live, the TSL Podcast. Hit that subscribe button as well. And make sure you follow Harrison on Twitter at Harry Brown Russo and follow me on Twitter at Jovan10. I think that's it. I think I plugged everything I need to plug, so that's good. So for for Harrison and myself, everyone have a good one. Enjoy the football this weekend, all on ESPN three. And we will talk to you guys next week talking about a hopefully another exciting week of arena football.